to Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, in the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in the wrath, we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Tomorrow night, thousands of people will gather in Times Square in New York City to watch a ball drop. And that ball dropping will signify the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2019. This season is always a time of two things. Uh, first of all, we review the, the year behind us, right? We've already gotten magazines and the year in review. And, and uh, if you listen to much radio, they'll be playing the best of in 2000, um, the best of 2018 shows. And, and, um, if you listen to much music, they'll give you the, the top songs of 2018, reviewing the past year, and then making plans for the new year. We do that in every every area. I know my boss at work is making plans for the new year. I don't know what they are, but he's making plans for the new year. And, um, and, and in the government, they're making plans for the new year, or making plans to not have government in the new year, or whatever they're doing. Um, and, and we do it too. We make resolutions. Uh, fitness centers are full. They will be full in a couple days. And they'll be full for a few weeks after that. And then the parking lots will start to empty out. So we review the previous year. We make plans for the new year. And in many ways, we can benefit from that. That's a helpful process to review the past year and make plans for the new year. I'd encourage you to do that um, in your personal life, in your spiritual life, financially, and, and um, in, in all those ways, it's a, good, it's a good thing to do. But this morning I want to look at, I believe, a prayer that would be appropriate for us to pray in this new year as we, as we consider this past year and make plans for the coming one. We can learn from this prayer that Moses prayed. It says, uh, a, a, uh, I'm sorry, a, a prayer of Moses, the man of God, is the title the translators have given this psalm. And if you look over Moses' leadership of Israel, he is certainly an example of a significant life. He had to be begged to lead. He didn't want to be the leader, um, at least 
at the at the time when God asked him, he said, "No, not me. I'm not capable of leading." He had to be begged to lead. He led with humility, which is rare in leaders, and he led well. And if you want 2019 to be a year of significance for you, I don't think you could do better than to pattern your New Year's prayer after this prayer of Moses. And so this this is what I want to look at for a few moments. A, a few things about this prayer that I think will help us as we're getting ready to enter this new year. So first of all, he begins with, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place for all generations. And, and so first of all, I see in this psalm the audience for our prayer, the audience for Moses' prayer. He's not talking to the ceiling. He's not talking to the walls. He's not talking to the altar or to the bench. And when we pray, we're not talking to the ceiling or the walls or the altar or the bench. We're talking to a living, eternal God. And Moses said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place for all generations. Now, this word used for Lord is Adonai, or ruler. He begins by recognizing who God is, recognizing that there is a God who hears and answers prayer. There is a God who rules in this world. And our prayers, too, won't get very far until we recognize the audience of our prayers. I see a lot of um, people write about, about studies that say prayer works. It works if you pray. And, and I recognize that there are benefits just in... in um, contemplation and meditation and things like that but we need to know who we're praying to we need to know that this prayer is going to someone who hears and answers prayer and so Moses begins by by telling God several things about himself Lord we know that this is who you are and he says first of all that he is eternal he is eternal had no beginning and no ending he said, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And then goes on to say, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And, and to recognize that God is in control, we need to recognize that he is not like us. We had a beginning, and, and we'll, have, we'll have an ending on this life. Now our soul will go on forever. Our soul will live forever, and our body will be resurrected, either to eternal life or eternal punishment. That's what the Bible says. But, but we had a beginning. We had a point in time when we were not, and then we were. And, um, and this earth had a beginning, a point in time when it was not, and a point when it was, when God spoke this world into existence. But God had no beginning. God always is. He, he was then, and He is now, and He always will be. Jesus Christ, the same. Hebrew says, yesterday, today, and forever. We're praying. When we pray, we're praying to an eternal God. That's why we can pray for the future. That's why we can tell him we're trusting you for the future. That's why we can tell him we're leaving the past with you. He's an eternal God. Past, present, future. He is the same. His character is the same. So he's eternal. He's the creator. Before the mountains were brought forth, he says, you were, you were there or before thou hadst formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He's the creator. That's why we can trust Him with things like physical needs. That's why we can come to Him and ask Him for healing. Now, God is also sovereign. And God decides when He will and when He won't. That is His prerogative. But He has the power and He makes it clear that He is honored when we come to Him and we pray and we ask for deliverance from infirmities. Paul said, I came three times to ask for deliverance from my infirmity. And he said, Finally, God answered him, and he didn't take it away, but he said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And if you have a physical need today, it is 
you can come to the Creator, the one who made your body, and you can ask for deliverance from that. And I believe God will either deliver you, if you come to Him honestly praying and seeking Him, He will either bring deliverance or He'll bring an answer. It may not be right away, it might not be in your time frame, but He will, I believe, answer those prayers. God hears and answers prayer. Um, so He's the Creator. He is the Judge. Verse 3, Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return ye children of men. There is one who has the right to judge all people. It's not me. It's not you. It is the God of the universe, the one who created us for his purpose. He's the one who has the right to say, you are living up to the purpose I created you for, or you're not. And and he's the judge. He's, he's uh, this is, perhaps is a reference to the great flood when men were wicked and turned away from, from him. And, and we're not just wicked, but we're corrupting everything and everybody around them. And, and God said, enough is enough. He's the judge. He's permanent. Verse 4 says, A thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. He said, Lord, to you a thousand years is just like I went to sleep and woke up in the morning. It's just that brief of a time to you because you're eternal, from everlasting to everlasting. Sometimes when we're kids, um, things seem like they'll last a lot longer than they do. Like, um, I heard someone talking about, she said, I, I kept a diary when I was a kid. And um, and she said, reading it now, it's, it's like one day, it's like, my best friend is Jane. And then the next day, it's like, I hate Jane. She's so mean. <laughs> and then she said, the next day, it's like, uh, she, she said, my mom says, I need to stop playing so much with Jane, my imaginary friend. But... <laughs> You know, each day is like a lifetime when, when you're younger. And, and older people look at that and they say, oh, it'll pass so fast. Enjoy every moment, right? Um, so it's, it's kind of relative to us. But he's saying to God, God is permanent. And God is always there in all of our, you know, and we think, we think this situation is so overwhelming and the situation is taking so long to get through. And it is to us. And yet to God, God is... God is permanent. God was there at the beginning. He'll be there through it, and He'll be there at the end, and He will not change. Isn't it nice to have people people in our lives who are kind of like that, but they're not completely permanent. We're finding that out with your grandmother, right, and your your grandmother, and um, and my grandmother, and, and these people that you just you just lean on, these people that anchor you, and um, but God, God will not, God, God does not go away. God is permanent. God is always there, and all of the changes of life, all of the transitions, God is there. And you can see the contrast with humanity. We are not eternal. We have a beginning. We are creatures. We're not the creator. We're accountable to the judge. We are not the judge ourselves. And our lives are relatively short compared to a God who sees a thousand years as but yesterday. In Psalm chapter eight, or Psalm 8, we find this question, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And that question brings us to the reason for our prayer. So we have the audience for our prayer. We're talking to the eternal God. Then the reason for our prayer is that we have relatively short lives. This question, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Moses contemplates that very question in this prayer. And he starts off, perhaps ironically, by talking about a death sentence. Verse 7 says, We are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. 
Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. We find in Romans 6.23 this phrase, the wages of sin is death. Now it's followed up with the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the wages of sin is death. Sometimes in federal court, uh, a defendant will be sentenced to significant time in prison, maybe 20, 30 years. They'll sometimes, uh, I don't know if this happens so much in the state system, but in the federal system it happens. They'll often give, give uh, these people maybe two weeks, three weeks, two or three months to get their stuff in order and, and then to come back to federal prison and to, to be there for the next 30 years. And all that time, they're with their family, they're acting like normal, but they're aware that this sentence is hanging over them. They're just a few weeks from losing their freedom. There's nothing they can do about it. They are sentenced. When we ask this question, what is man, what, what is humanity, our answer has to start out like Moses's. We have to recognize the sin that corrupts all humanity. Now, we also have to recognize that God has put the image of God in all people. And, um, but, but that image has been corrupted by sin. And Moses recognizes our greatest problem. It is not poverty, even though that's a problem. It is not sickness, although that's a problem. It is not other people, although they may be a problem in our lives, but it is sin. It's a nature that is in rebellion against the holy God. It's a mind that seeks everything but what is true, what is pure, what is lovely. It's a heart that loves the world. It's hands that do evil. That's our problem. Um, our, our problem is not so much in others as it is in ourselves that needs to be dealt with. And Moses recognized this is the most significant problem we face. He said, we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath we are troubled. And why are we facing the wrath and judgment of God? It is because of sin. It's because of our rebellion against Him. So our lives are lived under this shadow of a sentence of being forever separated from God because of our sins. And so... So all our lives, until we allow God through Jesus Christ to deal with our sin, all of our lives is lived under the shadow of that death sentence, if you will. Verse 8 tells us God has our sins before Him. They justify His punishment for us. And it's a terrible thing to be punished unfairly. To get, to, to get punished for something when you didn't deserve it, isn't that awful? But it's got to be even worse to be punished and know you deserve everything you're getting. And when we stand before the judge of all the earth someday, we're going to have no reason to appeal, no way to appeal, at least in our own merit. This all-knowing, all-seeing God has a record of our iniquities. He, he sees our hearts. He sees the secret sins, those things that it seems like nobody else sees. It doesn't matter how good we look to others or how good we look to ourselves. God knows who we really are on the inside. He knows who we are when nobody's looking, or when we think nobody's looking. Have you ever had someone apologize to you for something they said? They maybe let out a curse word, and then they're like, sorry, I forgot you were there, and, uh, and uh, then change it to something a little more innocuous. I appreciate the consideration of people who do that, who watch their language around others, but we need to recognize if, if, if the preacher's not there, or if someone else is not if the, the question is, is God there? What does God see? What is God pleased with? And our concern shouldn't be so much looking good to you and looking good to me, but looking good to the one who sees everything 
and who sees our heart. And he's the only one who can make us, who, who can make us what we ought to be. And, 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 um, and so that, so that then he's pleased with our lives. We, we have to go to him for his power and his strength to even live like that. But God is there. God is the one we should worry about hearing our secret words and our secret thoughts. So he, Moses says we're under a death sentence. And then he says we have our short lives. We have short lives. Our, our lives, which are already uh, lived in this shadow of the judgment of God, are very short. Moses pegs life expectancy as 70 years, with some living past that. He mentions 80 years. And he lived even beyond that. But he says still, however long you live, it's not very long. However, and, and I think we all could agree with that. I'm uh, older now than I was 20 years ago, and, and the age I am now looks very old back then, but it doesn't look very old now. And, um, and life is short. And at some point, our strength will fade, and we will die. That's the way it is. And when we approach a new year, we need to realize our lives are short. We've got to make it count. We've got to make it count for, for God. We've got to make it count for the people in our lives and for eternity. Um, James asks the question, what is your life? And then he gives the answer. He says, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a short time and then vanisheth away. And I thought last night, if my life is a vapor, I want to be like a skunk. <laughs> it just lasts and lasts and lasts, right? But a vapor, just a breath of air, and it's gone and largely forgotten. Um, that's our life. And that sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Unless you're a skunk. Sounds pretty hopeless. But then Moses goes on, not just the audience of our prayer and the reason for our prayer, but the object of our prayer. And he prays and he asks God, Lord, make my life eternally significant. Make my life matter for you and matter for eternity and matter for people. He prays as we should that God would make our lives count for eternity. God is the God of eternity, and our lives on this earth are short, but what if we could use that short time as preparation for something greater? Um, you know, when you go to college, um, you can get an associate's degree. That's not very long, right? That's two years. And you go to, um, you go get your bachelor's, and that's four years. And you go get your master's, and that might be six years. You go get your doctorate, and then you're looking at eight to ten years. Um, okay, but in a, in a life of 80 years, that's one-eighth of your life, right? The relatively short time of preparation for something greater. It's an, it's an investment in what's greater. So what we want to do is we want to take our short lives. And this is what Moses wanted. This is what he prayed that God would help him do. We want to take our short lives and say, help us to use this time that we have wisely so that it will matter for eternity. That's a big thing we're asking. We're, we're saying, God, would you take our 60, well, let's put it smaller, would you take our 10 years, our, our 20 years, our 30 years, our 40 years, however long we live, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, and would you make that matter for all the eons and ages to come? Will you make our lives significant for all eternity? Most religions teach some form of an afterlife, but the Bible teaches clearly that what we do with the grace of God in this life determines our destiny in eternity, how we respond to God. Titus uh, chapter 2, we were in Titus this morning in the Sunday school lesson, it says this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And that, whether or not we, we respond to that grace that's appeared to all people, is going to determine our eternal destiny. In the last book of the Bible, we read in Revelation 22 that there comes a moment when eternal destiny is fixed. It says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Have you ever played freeze tag? Where, okay, you're running around and all of a sudden someone taps you and you may be like this and you stop just like that. You're supposed to. And you're stuck. However you were when you got frozen, you're stuck that way. But one day this life is going to be over and we are going to be forever who we are. What we were doing, what we, what we wanted, what we, our, our selfishness, our, our, or your, your um, righteousness if you're following the Lord. But you're going to be stuck how you are. And that's going to be uh, for eternity. So with this in mind, Moses prays this beautiful prayer to God. And he prays um, very quickly. I'll, I'll go through this. Verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. He prayed, God, show me, give me knowledge of the value of life. Help me to know how valuable this short time is. And you've heard that hindsight is always 20-20. We're looking back and, and we can figure out what we should have done real well. God wants us to live as if we knew the outcomes already, and we can only do that with a relationship with God because He does know the end from the beginning. And so if we trust Him to guide us and to lead us, He knows what's around the corner. He knows what's happening next week. He knows what's happening next month. He knows what's happening next year. And if we follow His leadership and, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, then we can trust Him uh, in the days ahead. He prays for mercy. Verse 14 says, uh, Satisfy us early with thy mercy, or in the morning with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Mercy is God withholding the justice that we deserve. God withholding that punishment that, that we, we deserve. And Moses acknowledges that human life is lived under the shadow of this death sentence. But he asked God, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. In other words, take this shadow away, Lord, the shadow of the death sentence. Show me your mercy early. Show me your mercy in the morning. Early in life, show me your mercy so that for the rest of, the li of, of my life here on earth, I don't have to live under that shadow of that coming judgment for my sin. You know, through the grace of Jesus Christ, we don't always have to live under the shadow of a death sentence. But we can live in victory. We can live in the knowledge that someday when we die, we'll go to be with the Lord. And and, um, and and that we'll hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I had a pastor one time. He said, if you want to hear God say at the end of your life, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He said, hear him say it at the end of every day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Every day live to his glory and to his honor and to his pleasure. So he prays for mercy. Satisfy us early with your mercy. You know, this is an Old Testament verse. My dad mentioned this this morning. In the Old Testament, there are far more references to mercy than in the New Testament, although there are plenty there too. God, Old Testament God, New Testament God, He doesn't change. He's always been a God of mercy. He delights in showing mercy and forgiveness. We just have to come to Him through Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness and mercy, and He's willing to do that. So He prays for mercy. He prays for restoration. I like this verse... Um, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 15. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. 
there's a wonderful promise from God in, in the, uh, from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. And it's a promise to God's people. He said, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. And part of God's mercy is not just forgiveness for what we've done and taking away our punishment, but is restoration. Restoration, restoration to fellowship with God. Often restoration of relationships. God is able to wonderfully restore. It doesn't mean he removes the consequences of all sin. It doesn't mean that we won't have regrets. But it means that the remaining years of our life can be spent going forward and resting in him, having the joy of sins forgiven, and, um, and being restored. And then finally, he prays for a lasting legacy in verse 16. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands. We all hunger for significance. We want our lives to matter. I hope you do. That, that's a, a really important part of life, is to have meaning and fulfillment. In fact, I was reading uh, about retirement. I'm not anywhere close. But, um, but they were talking about how, how to make retirement um, more... Um, worth having, okay, make it worth being retired. And they said, they said, the people who have something to live for, who have some purpose or meaning to their lives, they're the ones who have a happy retirement. They're the ones who have a happy life too, right? If you have some purpose and meaning outside of yourself, that's, that's the source of, of joy. And Moses wanted a lasting legacy. And we all do. You know, gangsters, unfortunately, don't have a long life expectancy. But even they leave tags on overpasses and buildings and whatever. And they, they want to be seen and they want their they, they want to be noticed. Um, they don't want to be forgotten. I remember a teacher I had, Sister Shurdron, and um, she never had children of her own. But she gave her life to reaching children with the gospel. And, and she'd pray for them after everyone had long forgotten these kids that had been in her class. She would keep praying for them and stay in touch with them. And her motto was this, I do not ask that I shall stand among the noble or the great. I only ask that hand in hand, a child and I shall enter heaven's gate. And that's what she lived for. She had purpose. She had significance. Her prayer was for a lasting legacy of introducing children to the God who loved them. And Moses prayed for a legacy. He prayed that he would see God's work through his life, that his children would see God's work, and that God would establish a legacy of faith. Help me in this short life to matter for eternity. That's what he prayed. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He compared the Christian life to a race, and he said this, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And there is a precious prize ahead. I want to challenge you in this year ahead. Press toward the mark. Forget those things which are behind, Press forward. Ask God for His mercy. Ask God for a lasting legacy, and um, and and go with run with endurance. The Bible says towards the finish line, rather than looking back or looking around. Press on to the goal. This year ahead holds great promise and also great responsibility. Let's ask God to show us the value of each moment, the opportunity to serve Him in the year ahead, and He will make our if we if we follow His leadership, He will make our lives count. For eternity. Francis Ridley Havergill wrote that wonderful song, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And she, every New Year, she would write a new, a new hymn for the New Year. And I close with this one. 
She said, For the year before us, oh, what rich supplies! For the poor and needy, living streams shall rise. For the sad and sinful shall his grace abound. For the faint and feeble, perfect strength be found. Onward then, and fear not, children of the day, for his word shall never, never pass away. He will never fail us, he will not forsake. His eternal covenant he will never break. Resting on his promise, what have we to fear? God is all sufficient for the coming year. And he is. He's all you need. He's all I need for the coming year. Let's rest in him. Let's go forward with him this year. And he's able to make us, to make this short time in our lives matter for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each one who's here today. I thank you for this opportunity to look into your word together and to be challenged. I trust encouraged for the year ahead. I pray you'll go with your people. I pray that you'll give them victory and overcoming grace in this week ahead and in this year ahead. We ask it uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.